Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome aboard to episode 232. Yeah. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy, do fans. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've managed to all do something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Related. <laughs> yes, even in these barren times. Mm. Where there's literally nothing going on. Diddly squat, mate. Diddly squat. Do you ever get that feeling of deja vu, Gary? <laughs> we haven't even got diddly. No. <laughs> We've just got the squat. That's all it is. Uh, I don't even know if there's any um, decent conventions knocking around at the moment um, for us to get our teeth into because there's no news, there's no merch going on this week for us. So all that we've got this week is uh, our review of The Keys of Marinus. Yes, which so. is a six-parter. That was enough to keep me going this week. I thought it was a seven in my head as well. I was thinking there was an extra part, but yeah, six-parter. A big old six-parter. A big old one. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple of conventions on the radar, but nothing. I'm not booking anything because I just started a job, so I'm kind of... I'm, I've got these things planned to do, but I'm not booking them yet, just in case I can't get the time off. I read you. Yep, mm-hmm. and also it's not a bad thing that there's no uh, conventions. I think there's a couple of small ones around, but uh, with no conventions and no merch to go and spend money on, it's good on the old wallet. No. The, this is true. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I think it's still recovering from last year. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> still still paying off LFCC from last year with still all those doctors along. they added. Yeah, <laughs> the wallet's yeah. limping along and its back legs dragging. Yeah, it's half recovered. <laughs> it's got the front legs going, but yeah. Uh, uh, talking of conventions, I don't think there's anything really to get out and about and see, is there? Not recently, I think, until we get to the big ones in... I think there's the MCM at the XL at the end of May. Mm. 
And then we've got the big one in July for Showmasters, the um, yeah. London Film and Comic Con. The only other two that I know, there's uh, there's one, there's a re- relatively small one, the Huddersfield Comic Con. Oh, right. Okay. Who's at that one? Uh, that's at the end of May. Uh, that's got Fraser Hines, John Leeson, Colin Baker, uh, Mark Strickson. Mm-hmm. That one's not too bad. There's a couple of other people as well. There's a guy there from... Or something. I don't know his name. James McKenzie. I don't know no. what he's been in. Uh, uh, somebody called Mark Dexter. He was in an early episode of Red Dwarf. And oh, you couple. should know him. You're a big Red Dwarf fan. Uh, yeah, I don't know the face, but I don't know the name. All oh, right. Yeah. So Huddersfield. If anyone can get up to Huddersfield, that's on uh, a one day, Saturday the 25th of May, and then the other one is uh, the one that we know with the Phantom Events, a signing spectacular. Mm. which is also on Saturday, the 25th of May, in London. In old Chiswick. In old Chiswick. Uh, who's at that one? Is, is that the one? I know Kate has just been added to one, but I'm not sure if it's this one or the next one. Katie Manning, I mean. Yeah, she's not at this one. Uh, All right. This one is Steve Morley, who's in Earthshock, along with James Warwick, both of the Marine soldier-type guys. Yeah, I remember them at Earthshock. the start, yeah. At the start, yeah. Uh, and then, not much not much else at all really very very small bit parts uh, so there not much going on with conventions either no there is one thing i'm very excited about um again i'm not because i've just started a new job i don't know if i can book the day off so quickly i don't want to be going in saying yeah thanks for the job is all the dates i need off but um the, the, there's another bfi event coming up uh for the pertwee blu-ray set and um I think it's the beginning of July, but the tickets go on sale. Well, they'll be on sale the day the pod, this podcast goes out. So Friday the 17th, they yes. go on sale. Yeah. Um, which story is it they're showing? It's the Dalek one, isn't it? Um, is it? Um, I keep wanting to say Power of the Daleks for some bizarre reason, not Power. It's the Dalek one from series season 10. <laughs> anyway, so I would love to go and see that. Really hoping to get to that event because uh, I think I enjoy the BFI events as much, if not more, than conventions. I don't know about you because you get to see Doctor on the big screen. You mm-hmm. get to have drinks in the bar afterwards of all your fellow Who fans and it's really convenient to get to. So, I, I, yeah, that's the one I'm really excited about, probably more than some of the others, to be honest. If I can go. <laughs> yeah, it'll be awesome. Yeah, those BF, yeah. yeah, as listeners will know that we've been to a fair few of those over the years and they're very, very cool. Uh, the the Pertwee event is on the 15th of June. Yeah, 15th of June, that's yeah. it. What story just, is it? I can't remember. <laughs> I just say it's like so many Dalek things going around a bit. I can't remember which one it is. I'll find it in a second. Well, I do. Um, do you think you'll be able to get to this one? Because you, you couldn't make the last one, could you? No, what was the last one? That was... Legopolis, uh, Legop- wasn't it? No, no, I went to Legopolis. Whichever the one before that was. Yeah. I couldn't oh, it's make probably, it. Oh, um, it probably was Earthshock, actually. Were you at Earthshock? No, I was at Earthshock, yeah. Mm, you were sat next to me for one of them. Mm. I can't remember which one I didn't go to, but anyway, it was a while ago. Uh, but no, yeah. I will try and get to this one, because the Pertwee stories are they're up there with the best of them. And um, like we were saying the other day, that they typically... Uh, so they they pick a story from it, it it's they do them for well at the moment they do them for the upcoming blu-ray box set special yeah. edition things don't they so as a result of that they normally pick a story that's had all the decent cleanup treatment and the visual effects done and 
surround sound and stuff. So they do look and sound very good at the cinema. Yeah, because this, so it's Planet of the Daleks. There we go. Oh, it's Planet, Planet of the Daleks. Right. And it's going to have a Q&A with um, Katie Manning. Um, yeah, I must admit, I was hoping they would pick the three doctors. Um, that's the one I would have liked to have seen on the big screen. But Planet's a, a good choice. I mean, I think you're right. They've probably picked that one because they've added some new effects and they do like to sort of showcase them at these events. So I can totally see why they've why they yeah. picked Planet. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it'd be, again, great to see Daleks on the big screen anyway. So uh, still a good choice. Um, oh, I really want to go to that, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> if not, I'll just be... Yeah, that'll be just your be first looking at all your... <laughs> sick day at work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just make sure I'm not in any photos from the event. Just going in the next on Monday. Oh, that's terribly ill at the weekend. That's funny. We saw you next to next to a Dalek and Katie Manning. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I was feeling really well after about five minutes after I spoke to you. I just had this big yeah. sort of why didn't you come into work then? Well, I already said I wasn't coming in now, so I assumed you planned stuff, I didn't want to mess you about. and Knowing me, I'd probably take it to the next level. I'd probably go over with a big fake (laughs) cast on my leg and be like, oh, dear, the old legs are playing up. (laughs) Get one of Velcros at the back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Be like one of those people that gets caught claiming benefits. There's nothing wrong with just secretly taking it off and going to the shops later. Yeah. Yeah, Adam, we've noted that you've not worked any Saturdays (laughs) in a year now. (laughs) We noticed that you're, you're something's wrong with your leg every Saturday. And we've also noticed that it keeps swapping legs. <laughs> One minute the plaster's on the left and the next is on the right. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been bleeding back this week. It's even been on your arm one week. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I might be able to, uh, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah so if anyone, see, I, if anyone sees Adam there, just assume that he should be working. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but buy him a pint anyway. Oh, definitely. That lovely BFI bar is cooling. Uh, but yeah, apart from that, mate, not much um, events-wise. I'm, I might, again, if I can get time off, go to Collector Mania in Birmingham because there's some good Who guests at that one. And obviously the big one, LFCC in July, is uh, is on my radar. But I think that's pretty much it for me. Maybe a couple of the Chiswick ones, if I can get to them. They're always good. Who is at Birmingham? Arthur Darville? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Old Darves. There's a couple of classics. Yeah, Classic. McCoy, uh, yeah. Actor McCoy's there, yeah. Sophie Colin Aldrich's Baker there. must be there. Where is he's he? He's there. Oh, yeah. He's oh, there, there he is. Yep. Fraser Hines. Fraser. He's a bit of a dude, isn't he? Yep. Sophie, Mark Strickson. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Looks good. Yeah. Shaping up all right, that one. And I quite like the Birmingham ones because they're not quite, or at least they haven't been in the previous years. They're not not quite as packed and rammed as the yeah, London ones. Yep. So I quite, quite like the Birmingham Collectomania. I mm. agree. Oh, heartily. I've not been to a Birmingham one before, so it might be good to um to get that off the list, check it off the list. Yeah, it's good. My, my only problem with that is the train. I know, I think it might have been last year or maybe the year before, um, I had a photo shoot booked and I got sort of, you have to change. So I get to Birmingham, but then you have to get another one to the NEC. <laughs> and I remember getting as far as like, I was so close to it and I had to sort of do that little change to get to the actual NEC. And I was just stuck there for ages because um, a passenger had kicked off on one of the trains and everything had ground to halt. And I was thinking, no, God, I've got a photo shoot in an hour. And I was like stood at the station panicking and rushed. And when I got there, I was like, where is it? And, oh, it's a <laughs> mayhem. But that's the only thing with the Birmingham one. It is a bit of, it's not a far journey, but it's far enough to 
if anything goes wrong on the trains, which they frequently do. Right. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to stay over the night before, really. But no, me, I'd probably get drunk and end up <laughs> arriving hungover <laughs> at the same time as if I'd left in the morning. So, yeah. <laughs> Is it a weekend or just a one day over there? No, it's a weekend. Oh, it's cool. both days. Yeah, it's both days. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I have to do that one. But talking of the wallet breathing in a sigh of relief, um, I was up in London at the weekend, so I popped into FB, as you have to. Of course. As is, as is obligatory when you go to London. Um, absolutely nothing in there, <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Who-wise. Um, the cabinet is at an all-time low. I took a picture to send to you. You won't believe it's actually got worse, but it has. No. Uh, I've no. completely forgot to send it to you. No, you, I know you're thinking, how could it be worse? It is worse. It's got literally about five things in it now. Um, if I remember, I'll post it on the on the Facebook page, uh, Blue Box Facebook page, and I'll put a picture of it so people can see. Um, but yeah, no, there wasn't anything in there, uh, apart from one thing that caught my eye, but I didn't buy it. So they had the fourth doctor jelly baby t-shirt that they've just brought out oh, yeah. um yeah. which is kind of it's just like a fourth doctor theme tea it's quite nice it's got like jelly babies and swirling around it and i think it's got a scarf on it and stuff and it just looks pretty good and i i kind of need a new tea um but i didn't get it for two reasons one uh they didn't have my size <laughs> then right. he had mediums and if i ever see the word skinny fit i you know normally storm out the shop can't can't bet the two words that fill me with dread a skinny fit um and also the price it was 17.99 which i think's a little bit it's just that bit too much for a t-shirt i think 17.99 i would Unless agree it's a fancy yeah. one with a sequin on it or something but yeah 17.99 i just yeah if they had have had my size i might have pushed the boat out because there was absolutely nothing else in there but um yeah it, it was just a bit pricey i think it's a slow time for everything who really isn't it so there's not other than those i think there was another design that they did was it the ace style t-shirt that oh they did yeah as well? yeah i quite like that actually yeah so they've done a couple of designs for t-shirts and mugs and stuff out of fp but still nothing crazy coming through on the merch lines though i did get something nice for free though free um which uh kind of got adam our our friend adam to thank for this because i'd forgotten about it but you know they do like this free comic book day oh um, yeah every every year yeah yeah yeah. um people queue up for ages to get the comics and uh, there's normally a doctor who one and um i think a few people managed to get it on the free comic book day whenever that was must have been last weekend i think Anyway, I went downstairs and Adam was like, oh, they've got loads of them. They've got loads. And there's two variant covers because there's a, like a Forbidden Planet exclusive. Uh, it's the 13th Doctor comic. And um, and it's just especially for that that event. So it's quite cool. They had two massive piles <laughs> of the two cover variants of this 13th Doctor comic. And obviously it's free. So it's really nice to get something for free. And um, one of them was by Jessica Martin, you know, who was uh, Mags in Great Show in the Galaxy. Um, she's, she does a lot of artwork now. So she'd done the Forbidden Planet exclusive cover. So I picked both of them up. I got both variants, and they're very nice. Uh, so that was cool. So I did get something from there, okay. which was good. Um, but yeah, if you're anywhere near FP, um, go in and you want it. They had loads. <laughs> <laughs> so you shouldn't have any trouble picking one of those up if you want it. I read you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, I haven't been up to much. I, I watched the BAFTAs. Because uh, Doctor Who was nominated for must see moment, I think it was Rosa. Rosa, wasn't yeah, it? They got the when, yeah, when she refused to get up. Uh, it didn't win. Um, uh, it didn't win the award. It was up against a few other things. I think Bodyguard might have won. I can't remember now. I didn't watch it, mate. So I don't. There, well, there was absolutely nothing on the TV, and uh, so I just <laughs> ended up 
slobbing out in front of the in front of it for a couple of hours. Um, I think Jodie was there actually. It's weird because I, saw, you know, they do like the montage of them all arriving at the red carpet at the beginning, and there was I'm sure I saw a quick clip of her there, but I didn't yeah. see her, you know, during the show. But I'm sure they were there. She um, was there with Tosin Cole and Mandip Gill. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm yeah. sure they were there. So they was on Twitter, wasn't it? They definitely were there. Yeah. Uh, Bradley was. Oh, no, Bradley was there, wasn't he? Because he got up and did an award with his son. So he was there as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, didn't didn't win anything. So that, that's that. Uh, and then the only other thing I've done, even remotely who related this week, is I watched the new Russell T. Davis drama, uh, Years and Years, last night. Did you watch this? No, I've not heard of it. You've not heard of it? Oh, no. they've been advertising it like mad on BBC One, have you not? I don't really watch much TV, oh, but to be honest. I was going to say, yeah. they are really, they are really, <laughs> they are really promoting it at the minute. I think okay. every, between every single programme on BBC One, they keep showing the advert. Um, so it's called Years and Years, and it's, um, well, I don't even know where to begin, to, when to tell you about it. But let's just say I really enjoyed it. So this is the first episode, and it starts off just sort of, introducing the characters it is so rtd it's so brilliantly constructed because it you know how he's just so good at just like introducing characters and you immediately warn to some and others you're like oh i don't know about him he seems a bit shifted you just get their characters so easily yeah and then they all come together because they all kind of know each other and you i I wasn't even sure what the show was about because the trailers don't really tell you it's all kind of set five years in the future so it starts off modern day and then it jumps forwards five years Anyway, it introduces characters. It was all flowing really nicely. And I'm thinking, yeah, so this is, is this a kind of almost like a soap type thing about relationships or is it a, you know, is it about this woman or what? So, cause there's a few story strands going on. And then all of a sudden in the last 10 minutes, I'm not going to say what happened, but it was a real OMG. <laughs> like it really kicks off the, like the last 10 minutes. And then you suddenly get where, the last 50 minutes have been leading up to it. And it is, I'll tell you for a first episode, I, I thought it was brilliant. And the trailer for next week just left me absolutely <laughs> clawing for more, which I, I love it when the show does that. I was like, Oh no, I wish that I wish like, you know, I could flick the next episode cause it looked really good. Hmm. And it just, it just totally flipped on its side as well. It was just went in a direction. I should have seen coming, but I didn't. I was like, Oh right. Oh, well, blimey that's happened. Oh wow. Oh my God. This is well. So Yeah. I recommend watching it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope the rest is as good as the first one. Okay. It's so yeah. RTD, though, mate. And when you watch <laughs> it, you'll know exactly what I mean. It's just, it's got all these little trademark mm-hmm. brilliance, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really good. Oh, nice. I might check that out then. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've probably of... bigged it up a bit too much now because you're probably watching <laughs> it and think, well, yeah, it was all right. Well, it wasn't talk... amazing, but. Talking of RTD, I did see a very uh, small interview online mm-hmm. that somebody did with him a few days ago or last week and they asked him the inevitable question that he always gets asked <laughs> yeah you know which question would you ever consider doing doctor Who again yes yeah and his response was no absolutely. i know he doesn't want to no. no yeah and it was just weird because you would just think that journalists would get the vibe by now they would just get the you know I, me personally i feel that Even he the- will come back one day i think one day he will, he will definitely, like, even if it's just a one-off, I think there is a little bit, I think there's a tiny little spark in there somewhere still. So I think one day he will, he will come back and write an episode at least. But I think at the, because he did say that he wrote over 60 episodes of mm. different various things and creating Sarah Jane and Torchwood and writing all that stuff as well and everything. 
just said that he was exhausted by the end of it and and he said it felt it would feel really weird as well he said imagine going back to an old job mm. like 10 <laughs> years later yeah how, how does that feel adam <laughs> well, for me good but yeah <laughs> i can get i can get why he wouldn't want to do that because but i agree with you i think there's a, I, I think there's a little bit in him that kind of you know given time a bit like eccleston who said he would never do a convention no don't agree with it i'm never you know you'll never get me at a signing now he's he's done yeah. one he's like oh yeah well, i'll be back next year yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah come on so i think that i think given enough time i reckon russell could come back and um he clearly still loves the show um and he was talking about it might have been the same interview you watch i think it was the one show he was saying like you know, that when he did bring Dot 2 back, everyone said to him, don't do it. It's, it'll be a disaster. And he was like, no, 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 because I love this show. I, I've got, you know, I've got to do it. You know, so there's no question. Um, so it's it's deep rooted in him, I think. So, I, I, yeah, I hope he comes back. There was a nice picture of him with Jodie Whittaker um, on his Instagram, I think. Yeah, there was. I think he was at the BAFTA with us. Mm. With her. Um, he could be lured back, I think. He did say as well... Um, that there was a, you know, someone once asked him, was there a monster you would have liked to have brought back that you didn't? And I think it was the Crotons. I think it was. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. He said, oh, I would have loved to have done a Croton story, I think, or a so-and-so story. So there is still a story in him that he hasn't <laughs> done, <laughs> at least one. I think so. So that might burn inside him for a while, thinking, oh, I, c- I could just go back and do that one, couldn't I? And then he'll <laughs> end up doing a series. But um, yeah, I'd love to see him come back personally even if it was just for one story i think it'd be be awesome i think it'd be a good boost for the show as well because mm. you know how you get people you know bring back rtd and bring back the moffat and it's you know all this sort of stuff and i think it'd be a good boost if he did come back and do a story i think it'd bring I people think so. back yeah. yeah it'd be awesome yeah i think let's so let's do it hashtag bring, <laughs> russell, <laughs> bring back, back russell bring back yeah. russell yeah Mind you, that might push him away because if there's one thing guaranteed to, the more someone says you've got to do, you got to do it, the more you're like, no, I'm not. No. That's true. No, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but if you're a bit like, oh well, you know, when you're ready, you start thinking, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I might do then. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. Anyway, yeah. there's no more stuff to talk about. We've scraped the last bit of the barrel. We have, yeah. <laughs> Because you haven't done anything the weekend, have you? Who related? No, no, I was up in Liverpool doing a run and Liverpool? some other stuff. Yeah, I got you in the cabin. Sorry, in the tavern. <laughs> Were no, you in the ca- no. ca- Oh, was it the tavern? The I thought tavern. it was the cabin. The cabin? Oh, yeah, the cavern. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. The cavern. Yeah. yeah. You're in the cavern, were you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Fleeting visit. Right. In and out. <laughs> Shake it about. <laughs> say no more say no more, say no more. <laughs> uh right shall we get on to how review for this week then what we yes got? we got yes there's no no merch no news no nothing but we have got a review of a whopping six-parter from the hartnell era and it is the keys of marinus it is the sea it's beautiful grandfather i wonder where we are well, one thing's sure, we're not at South End. Sea of Acid. <laughs> you know, in all my travels, I've never come across anything like this before. For the sake of all my people, you must find the keys for me. Stop it! Go away! Oh, you dare come near me! He's alive! Oh, he's alive! Help 
place is one big booby trap. Please, I only want to help you. No! The murderer is without any doubt in the chamber. Kill her. Ian. Kill her. When the final key is inserted, my power is absolute. It's coming again. The jungle is coming. When the whispering starts, it's death, I tell you. Death. My power shall be absolute. <laughs> Kill her. <laughs> the Keys of Marinus. Uh, first Doctor Story was first broadcast back in uh, April to May of 1964. It's a six-parter, as Adam said. It was written by Terry Nation, and it was directed by John Gorry. It stars the TARDIS team of William Hartnell, uh, Karen Ann Ford, Jacqueline Hill and William Russell, Susan Barbara Neen, and a whole host of other supporting cast members, which we'll, we'll get through in a, in a little while. <laughs> uh, the story is uh, thus the TARDIS and the TARDIS team land on the planet of Marinus. Uh, on an island surrounded by uh, acid, isn't it? Yeah, acid. Yeah, acid. Yeah, uh, the island's made of glass, incidentally, as well. And Susan only puts her feet in. <laughs> <laughs> and But they are they get sort of absconded quite early on by this guy called Arbitan, and he tasks them with getting the other four keys of Marinus, hence the name of the story, to complete the five operating keys that will then power up the, what's it called? The conscience of Marinus. Mm, yeah. It's called. And of which he looks after that machine. Uh, so they have to go off to different locations around the planet of Marinus and grab these keys before they fall into the hands of the Vord led by uh, Yartek. Because they want to use it for mind-controlling sinister powers. Mm-hmm. Naughty old vords. Naughty, naughty. Mm. And it's a pretty cool concept, this one. Mm. When we've done Classic Who before that spans four or six parts, we inevitably have the middle marathon, as we call it. Yeah. Where it just seems to lag a little bit. You get a couple of filler episodes sometimes, and it, especially when you're binge-watching it, as we do nowadays, it just mm. seems to lag a wee bit. But this one's quite interesting because it's almost like well, at least four, sort of four mini stories that make up the white, they're the larger arc, and then a two-parter to finish it all off, almost. So it's an interesting concept, this one, kind of pushing yeah. the envelope a little bit for narrative and storytelling back in the 60s. Mm. So what do you reckon to this one, buddy? A bit of a slog for you, or you're into this one? Yeah, well, it was nice. it's nice to see Terry Nation doing something other than the Daleks, isn't it? Because very often when they bringing back Doctor Who, it's always a Dalek story. So it's good to see him doing something different. Um, I, I, I think I agree with you. I think the concept is great. I think it's really interesting having these different locations for pretty much each episode. It keeps you, it keeps it really fresh, I think. it's um, So yeah, the different environments. I think perhaps it's, it's quite ambitious for the production mm -hmm. <laughs> sort of restraints of the time it was made. I think they do show at times. Um, but I have to say, overall, I really enjoyed this six-parter. Really enjoyed it. Um, as I said, there were times when the sort of restraints of the production of the time does show. There are bits where it's almost... There were a couple of moments in this where I was 
really laughing hard, thinking this isn't supposed to be funny. But that you know, I was, it's one. There were a lot of moments in this where I was thinking this would be a good one to watch together because we'd be rolled on the floor. Um, <laughs> it seems like when Barbara's pretending to have, you know, like the vines right around her legs, and she's like, oh, Ian, yeah, no. and she's like clearly holding it around her legs and stuff like that. There are a couple of moments like that, but and the vault no, that I, nearly falls flat on his face. At the oh end. yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. It's an, <laughs> another stormtrooper moment, isn't he? He's got them big flippers on, isn't he? That's why he can't see where he's going. Um, and Hartnell fluffs his lines within the first scene as well. He completely throws the whole cast, I think, in that first TARDIS. There are loads of moments like that, but um, but it's it's charming and um. I, yeah, I did, surprisingly, for a six-parter, I w- was pretty much engaged all the way through. I think, I think if anything, like you said about that middle lag, I think maybe episode three, the the screaming jungle one, that that got a bit tiresome. But even that picked up. I mean, the ending's great when they're looking for the glass with the formula on it. Even that, I think, had some real good merit to it. Yeah. So I, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I it was uh, it was a real nice surprise, really, because. Um, you know, like a lot of Doctor Who, I haven't watched it for a while, and I remember thinking it was all right, but in my head, I was thinking, oh yeah, it's that six-parter, and I, I seem to remember it being a bit of a slog before, but but no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I watched it in two, two and two, so two episodes, then another two, and then another two over, you know, a few nights. So I didn't watch it all in one go, and I do think that's the way to do it. Um, but I probably could have watched it three and three. In fact, I may have even watched all six. I, th- I think it's because they're all set in different worlds. Yeah. I yep. think it does make it more interesting. You're not sort of thinking, oh, we're still on this set again. You know, every week it's a different set pretty much, apart from the first and last episode. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. Just It's quite ambitious. That's the only thing. There's a lot going on. <laughs> um, and I think the production team probably were like, I, I can imagine it was a headache to actually get what was on the script onto screen for a lot of this you know there's a lot of stuff going on (laughs) um but yeah i think it was good i enjoyed it i really did what did you think yeah i thought it was um a a cracking story this one actually it's got a a real sense of um a real sense of progress across these episodes yeah because they're linked together and they have to go off and find these keys you you get to that point where are they going to find them? What's going to happen? And then they hit all these obstacles along the way. It, it really reminds me of modern storytelling in a way. If you think it's a modern Doctor Who, we have these sort of series-wide arcs where stuff interlinks together. Mm. So although you have your standalone stories, you have these little nuggets of of uh, little um, arc, like wide arc things. And so this is, it, it reminds me of a more modern way of of doing Doctor Who in terms of its narrative. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I just didn't feel. I, I watched it in a slightly different order to you. I did a block, so I did the first two, and then I did four. So oh, okay. I did two, two and four, and I was thinking beforehand. I was thinking, oh, I remember because I think the first time I watched this, I did it as all six, mm. and I remember thinking, right, if I've got to watch this again, even if I have to do four parts, uh, you know, it, just classic Who, more than three at a time, can tend to feel a little bit. You know, yeah, yeah, but but no, the, the two and four was actually really good, and I, I didn't feel at all like I wanted to go off and have a break or reach for the phone. It was just really good because mm. it, it's got a decent. It's a bit like the Crystal Maze. <laughs> hmm. Anyone that's that's a fan of the the game show, the Crystal Maze, 
it kind of feels like that because they go to a jungle region and then a yeah oh yeah you do. know a yeah, yeah, different yeah. region so instead of going after the crystals they're going after the keys and they have to do these like little tasks and little puzzles to solve and like there's the bit where they find a key but it's fake isn't it and then they have yeah. to that you know they find the right one in the jar they have to figure out that the code is actually a um was it a scientific formula that's on the jar right. to find it and then there's another one where it's uh ones in the like this statue and stuff that's got the actual person's hand oh that's funny <laughs> you know so yeah. it, it's almost it's a bit it's a bit like a quiz like a game show in a mm. way so it's it, i but i loved it I, that's one of the things that i loved about it it had a real sense of every episode provided something fresh and different from the last one it didn't have that lag and uh, yeah like maybe the screaming jungle if out of all of them maybe that's the one that potentially was the slower one yeah it's um, it's funny. i think the first half of that one i was going to say i think all the episodes worked for me because mm-hmm. as i said it's almost like tiny little st- contained stories with that arc of finding the keys because i love that idea as well of having to actually find the keys and some are in blocks of ice and all that sort of stuff i agree with you i think that's really good um yeah i mean even the screaming forest i think it just it was probably the one that was the most took the while to get going but when it did it was was still by the end of the episode i thought actually that was still a really good episode you know when all the vines are bursting through and that set's going mad isn't it it must have been (laughs) so many people on the other side of it shaking it and um, even that one, I thought, yeah, okay, started off a bit slow and wasn't sure where it was going, but actually even this has turned out to be a really good episode. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know. Personally, I think all six work really well. I don't think there was any episode where I thought, no, that wasn't very good. Um, I didn't reach for my phone at all, actually, during this. Um, I genuinely really enjoyed it all the way through. I was quite, I think the cast seemed really into it. I was quite engaged by it. Um, which sometimes you don't get when you get a six-parter. But it seemed to me like the cast were really into this one. Um, like they all seem to be, because even Caroline Ford, who I think can be a bit hit and miss sometimes, Susan, sometimes it feels like she just has wandered on and said that, you know, it seems like she can't really be. But even she seemed to be sort of really getting into this story and, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it just kept me very, very sort of... Um, engaged all the way through this uh yeah. i thought the cast the majority of the cast were, were excellent in this actually mm. you know but especially the leading cast they were really on top form i mean um ian and barbara have to carry two episodes don't they there's episodes three and four the doctor's not in it so it's kind of left yeah. to ian and barbara to sort of lead those two episodes and they're really good i think they they do that really well they're, in fact they are quite a good double act i think those two they're cracking, actually, in this one. Yeah, they are, yeah. yeah. I mean, Barbara, uh, Jacqueline here has to do a lot of screaming. Uh, it's <laughs> normally Susan who screams, but there's a lot of screaming from Barbara in, <laughs> in especially episode three. Yeah. Um, to, but, um, yeah, they're good together. And it, Ian, William Russell, he gets to do loads of action mm-hmm. throughout this whole story, doesn't he? He really gets loads of um, things to do over these six parts. I bet he loved this script. He seems to be really, really into it. Really exactly enjoying it. it. Yeah. yeah, you can tell, can't you? Especially sort of towards the middle and end. He's he's really into it, yeah. yeah. That's good. And just to recap these episodes then, for any of our listeners that have not seen this story yet, mm. you'll hear us mention these, um, these episode titles. So just to catch you up, so episode one is The Sea of Death. Episode two is called The Velvet Web. Episode three is called The Screaming Jungle. Episode four, The Snows of Terror. Episode five is Sentence of Death. And then episode six is the self-titled The Keys of Marinus. 
So they've all got really good titles as well. Yeah. Like really cool. And there's a couple of good cliffhangers too. They're, oh yeah, the cliffhangers are good. And actually I'm just looking at those titles. The Velvet Web episode two, for the time this was made, so it was 1964, did you say? Because it's, yeah, it's still season it was, yeah. one of Doctor Who. Is it still the first season? Um, that is a, a very ambitious story for the time, isn't it? Because they're, they... Uh, they show basically land in a, a sort of a world where the characters are kind of brainwashed. So they're seeing a reality that isn't real, but they, sh- they sort of show you both of the worlds in real time. It's, 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 it's hard to explain, but it, it must've been even harder to actually film because they would have filmed these pretty much as live wouldn't they. They used to film these stories pretty much as live. They would only cut if they had a studio break or, if something really, really went wrong. I mean, you know, fluff lines would generally be let go unless they were really bad. Um, so they're sort of filming this as live, and I'm assuming they're inserting video scenes in as they act it out. Because, you know, so for example, the Doctor and that are all dressed in their normal clothes, um, but they think they're in robes, and you've got Barbara who's in a lovely dress, but in the reality world, she's in rags. Mm-hmm. So she's probably filming that in the rag dress, but then they're inserting shots of the set all dressed nicely. And then it cuts to the reality world where the set is all drab. And I'm thinking, God, it is so for the time. I bet when they got the script, they were like, how are we going to do this? This is going to be an absolute nightmare to do this live, but they do it really well. I think because you at first as a viewer, you're not sure what's going on. You're like, you see it from Barbara's point of view, as you can see them all as they really are. And you're thinking, hang on, are they wearing different clothes? Is the set different? And then you realise that, you know, they think they're in all this great get-up and they're surrounded by, you know, all this stuff, and they're actually not. And I don't know. I just I thought it was a really great concept, and I think for the time they pulled it off really, really well. It must have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I think there's quite a few uh, in terms of production quality, and mm. like you said, ambition and so on. This one is up there with really making the most of the money because in in every i mean this story has got it all really it's got the miniature uh cinematography going on it's got Mm. different they experimented with camera angles so in the episode you just mentioned the velvet web so when they're all sleeping uh one of the other characters what's her name one of the Mm -hmm. other characters sabitha who is brainwashed herself, she walks around and puts these little mind control devices on all of their foreheads. And it's only because Barbara turns over and it falls off. She doesn't get, her mind isn't affected. Yeah. And then you've got the doctor, Ian, and I think it's, uh, what's the guy's name? Look at the guy that's wandering around in his pants. Altos, is it? Is it Altos? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got those three and they're looking into the camera as if they're looking at, Bar- so when, it's if it's if you're Barbara and you're looking out onto the characters and then it switches and then you can see Barbara. So they don't even they don't even because because of how they had to do it back in the day, they didn't have time to fiddle around with different camera setups and change the set and everything. So it's really good because normally you would just have the camera flick between those guys and then onto Barbara. And then you just flick between A and B sort of thing that way. But yeah. they did this thing where they had to cut and then look into the camera and then I assume that I, I don't know how they did it. I assume they were feeding in the live, the pre-recorded pictures maybe. And I, I don't know how they did it yeah. um, to be honest. And then acted out 
the the scenes live as if as live. I, I really don't know because there's some great scenes when like Hartnell's <laughs> going into. He's supposed to be seeing a fantastic laboratory, isn't he? And he's like picking up an old rot, rotten cup. <laughs> so we're seeing the reality world, but he's not. He's looking at this old cup, going, "Oh, this is this technology. This this equipment is is wonderful, dear boy." And all this, and he's just looking at a rusty old cup, and it's just great because you you as a viewer feel like you're seeing both worlds. So and then you'll get to see a bit through his eyes. It's it's. I think it's done really well. I thought and I thought it was a really nice idea as well. You know. Yeah, that's good. And I, and I'm always, always a fan of a brain in a jar. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about that. But Morbius, I always, mate. Yeah, Morbius. I yeah. just find it hilarious. Um, <laughs> and I love those brains when they're going mad because they're, they're the monster in the velvet web for anyone that hasn't seen it. There's this kind of, they're a brain with two big eye stalks <laughs> in a jar. In a they're jar, brilliant. Yeah. I tell you, you don't know how much I want to model one of those, I tell you. Um, I was watching it with my other half as well and he was just like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Especially when they all died and deflated. Um, that was quite funny. But it, it, yeah, I think they're brilliant, actually. And I love it when they're going mad and ordering people around. Do you, you know when Barbara goes crazy and starts smashing the jars? Yeah. Only one of them smashes. And I can't work out if they were all meant to break. I think they were. They're all meant to break. They they, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they all die. But only one of the glass things smashes. I. I'm not sure what went wrong there, but again, they probably just didn't have time or or they just didn't do a retake. But yeah, I think she, she's supposed to be smashing all the jars, isn't she? But only one of them breaks. But yeah, they kind of deflate really sadly, don't they? <laughs> Brilliant they are, though. Uh, do they have a name, those brains? Do they have a name? Um... They ought to do a figure of them. Come on, Eagle Moss, or is the other one? Harrop. Come on, Harrop. Let's have a brain in a jar. <laughs> yeah, I They think... did have a name. I can't remember what they were called, though. They probably do. They they do have a they do have a name. I'm I'm pretty sure. I, I it's not mentioned in the story though. No, oh, right. Okay. I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway. No. Yeah, but it's um. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that's what I mean. This story has just got everything in there. Yeah. It's also got like stock footage as well. They paid some Russian. Oh, for the wolf for the wolves and stuff in the snows of terror. It's got the big ice cavern set as well, which looks really good. I mean, if, in a way. It's a good thing this is in black and white because all of the uh, all of the uh, ice cavern stuff and it's all made of polystyrene. In color, you'd be able to see all the color oh, variations yeah. and the snow and everything. And uh, you got the cabin, you got the research lab, you got the big courtroom at the end. Uh, like I said, you got the miniature stuff with the the TARDIS dematerializing at the end, which looks cute as hell. It You've does. Also got the yeah. the c- clever camera angles where the one of the Vord falls down into the acid at the end even though you yeah. can see it's a 2d cut out and it kind of turns unfortunately just before it ends and you can see it's a but you know it they just tried so many things in the, in all of these episodes to, for this story you can tell that because even going if we fast forward even to some of davison stories some of those are really static where mm. it's just a, a simple camera rig and the conversations are just between two people just standing still. So this, some of this stuff is really good. They really didn't settle on, let's just keep it really basic. They tried lots of different things. And oh, they do. I mean, great. there's so much I enjoyed in this. I mean, just looking at the episode titles is kind of bringing it all back to me as well, just because, as I said, I watched it broken up. So, I'm, you know, if you were to sort of say which of these episodes did you really enjoy, I mean, I, it sounds like we enjoyed it all, all of them. But so, you know... 
the snows of terror the one in the cabin i thought it was a great episode because you've got that that blimmin guy who's poor old barbara she's really put through the ringer and she and this she gets put in a net she gets uh, under a sort of table of spikes and then this one this guy's chasing around the room and goodness knows what he's going to do to it it's quite adult actually that bit i was thinking oh that's a bit mm. bit adult but it's a it's a great episode and then you've got the next one where the doctor's playing like uh they're in a, like a court and the doctor's being the, is Barrister the, the right barrister word? Or barrister. Yeah. Yep. And he looks like he's absolutely loving doing all that. So he's, he's Ian's barrister mm-hmm. where he's like trying to get him off a, you know, a death sentence. It's, it's all going on. Every episode's got something brilliant. The velvet web's got the jars of the, the brains in, and there's just so much to enjoy over these, these sex episodes. I, if you had to pick a favorite, which one do you think you really, really enjoyed the most? I would say either I would say either the velvet web mm. or the snow one's good with those guys guarding the key that is a good yeah. yeah when he threw the bridge off I did have to laugh as well and he's like ah get out of that and he throws the, <laughs> the bridge over the thing um yeah there's so much to enjoy over these six parts I think yeah. um because they're all different it's really good good concept yeah and i do like the the, the suspenseful build-up and the courtroom style storytelling yeah. of the last two they're they're good as well it's uh, almost like a whodunit isn't it as well because you get the, the the sort of you don't see the person at the beginning who knocks out poor old ian so it's kind his, of like yeah you don't see his face do you no I, yeah so that's a kind of whodunit um it's yeah it's not that hard to work out but uh yeah it's still good though i see, i think it's still a great episode hartnell's just brilliant in that isn't he he, he can tell he's loving playing he's that. loving it isn't he looks he? so yeah. proud and yeah. and he's remembered his lines for some of it and he's <laughs> smashing it and he's yeah it's <laughs> oh there's one episode where someone comes in too quick i can't remember which one it is someone cuts hartnell off and his face is like thunder but he quickly recovers it um, it, for a change, it's someone else getting it wrong. So someone says their line too quick and it completely cuts off Hartnell's last line, if you like. And you can just see him go as if to say, it's my line next. But he recovers it well, actually. But yeah, he does. He does. I mean, he does fluff quite a lot of lines in this as well. But yeah, that's <laughs> he always manages to save it. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. He, if he, even if he gets the words in completely the wrong order, he still manages to just get through the scenes that's, that's just one of the things i love about him actually yeah, yeah. that's in the sentence of death episode where who, who's the the guy who's the prosecutor against ian the one who's actually the guy who's after the key yeah he, i can't remember his name yeah. there's so many i knew i wouldn't remember any of the names there's too many people in this this yeah. story yeah i think it's him I think yeah it is yeah I think it is him it is the courtroom one I think where he comes into scene I just I just saw <laughs> you know you can just see Hartnell's face is like oh how dare you dear boy that's my line sort of thing but he he, he carries on anyway yeah. Hartnell's <laughs> on fire though I mean it helps that he has a nice oh, break so... in the middle because we're still having these uh, I can't believe it where we have these stories where your lead character goes just, on holiday just doesn't appear because he's on holiday it's crazy so i think i know you'd never uh, you'd, how could you do that now like and when he comes back into episode five <laughs> he looks really refreshed and full of beans <laughs> doesn't he because they sort of almost give him a grand entrance don't they they're like doctor he's like hello there dear boy how are we how are we? have you missed this? he looks really like refreshed and <laughs> i'm ready to go again and sort of thing yeah it's great yeah and he's he's on fire 
I know he has a few fluff lines, but that's sort of par for the course, really, for Hartnell. It's they, yeah. they left him in. They weren't too bad. They're not going to. Doesn't detract too much from. No, I try to. I think that he does. He fluffs the very first scene. I think he he says something about the scanner, doesn't he? Well, we better go and and then let's see what's outside. He, as again, he just kind of gets the line sort of close to what it should be when he realizes he's completely said it wrong and yeah, <laughs> just then him. just walks off. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, some other characters were very good in this though. Uh, I, some some were good, some were not so good. Most yeah. of them were good because I felt like. Did you say this earlier that the 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 primary cast anyway really felt like they were into it and oh i thought that i thought that yeah the main cast in this were all excellent i mean yeah well we'll come on to them towards the end won't we but i thought you know um william russell and jacqueline hill have quite a lot to do in this and they have to carry those two episodes themselves and i think they're excellent um but I'll, i'll come more on to them when we get to them but yeah i thought the main cast were brilliant so we first see arbitan who's the keeper of the keys so to speak is he only in the first one because he gets knocked off doesn't he yeah well he's in ep- the start of episode two but he gets killed oh yes the, of course yeah yeah uh, so george kaluris i think his name is mm-hmm. uh, he was a big time actor back in the day he was in citizen kane and oh right all sorts of big sort of old school black and white uh stuff but uh I thought he was, at first, I remember when I first watched this, I remember thinking that guy was over the top, but I don't think he was that OTT. Now I watch it again. He wasn't mm. too bad. No, I thought he was all right because uh, he's put that force field around the TARDIS. And I, I think it's the voice is good with him because somehow he manages to talk to them when they're outside, doesn't he? It's like he's got a speaker hid in the desert. He's like, no, you can't yeah. get in. I put a force field around it. They're like, oh, darn you. Um, but <laughs> no, I thought he was all right, actually. He's quite good. Quite he was all right. Yeah, shame he got yeah, bumped he, off early. But. He gets bumped off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what about the the Vord leader then? Because he's only really in it at the end. He's pretty creepy. And I don't know if it's just because the mask is creepy or if it's actually his performance. But because they're a strange design, aren't they? It's like a wetsuit, but with a weird mask. And you can sort of see the face through the mouth. I don't know. It's a very odd. Yeah. Yep. design i think that i don't think the seeing the face is intentional i think it's just so the actors can breathe probably but it actually makes them more creepy just being able to see something inside it um i thought the actual yeah i thought he was quite good quite creepy that vord leader um because he's only really comes into his own in the last story doesn't he in the last one when he's sort of got the cloak on and he's pretending to be all wounded and yeah it's yep. all part of his dastly plan but i thought he was quite creepy yeah yeah, Stephen Dartnell. Mm. Yeah. No, I thought he was actually quite good, you know. Yeah, I did, yeah. I'd like to have seen him throw down a bit more. He looked like he could kick off, but he, he never quite got to do it, did he? He just gets blown up. <laughs> that's, the other, that's the thing as well, and I'd forgotten about that. I thought it, in my mind that they returned all the keys and to Arbitan and it all worked. It was all a happy ending, but actually it all just kicks off, doesn't it? Because Ian gives him the fake key. Yeah. which makes the big old machine blow up and that's the end of that. And I thought, oh, I'd forgotten about all that. I kind of thought it all tied up nicely. Well, it does, but you know what I mean? I thought it was a happy ending, but no, old Arbiter's gone and it was all kind of a bit of a waste of time and the machine blows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more. But There was definitely yeah. potential for more. Yeah. yeah. And some of the other, like the Vord themselves, what do you reckon on their design and their costumes and stuff? Because they had these weird, black uh, mask things with like mm. little antennae things sticking out the top 
But we also had the other Vord who were like the ice soldier type ones. You know, they look a bit more like, you know, when they go into in the snows of terror, mm. they go in to find the key and it's being guarded by those, oh, those other guys, the, the yeah. other Vord. But they yeah. look more like Knights of the Round Table kind of That's right. uh, design. So what do you reckon to the Vord in general then and their their look? Yeah, I prefer I prefer the sort of black wetsuit look. Right. I mean, it's interesting having the Knights of the Realm. It does really suit that story. Um, but no, I think they. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird costume. I think for the Vord because you're not sure if it's supposed to be a suit or if it's supposed to be an alien suit. Um, really, but I also like those little capsules that they're supposed to travel in. You know, those oh, little yeah. round tubes. Because yeah. that scene where they tell where Hartnell's like. I won't be getting in that. I can tell you now, sort of thing. That really made me laugh. Or just you won't be getting me in one of those things, sort of thing. The little glass um, submarine things. Yeah, yeah, they were cool. <laughs> so no, I, I like the Vords. I think they're interesting. They are yeah. interesting, aren't they? And what's good about them is that, although I, I said I'd like to see Yartek a bit more in the story, the mm. fact that we don't see the Vord everywhere throughout the entire story is good because it keeps a bit of mystery about them. It definitely has more effect, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 But they were they were quite good, though. I, I, I quite like the the design and so on. They look pretty good for classic. The demons, the demons are coming. The demons, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think to the 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 big guy in the snows of terror? Is it Vazor? Vazor? Yeah, that him. I thought he was really good. Actually, he's I'm, quite menacing. Like I said, when he's chasing poor old Barbara around the cabin and he thinks he's got rid of the guys and he's yeah it's quite creepy isn't it he's like oh, i can wait i can you know you're not going anywhere I said, oh. but i think he's good and when they, <laughs> he's one of those actors that's really good at being sort of powerful and menacing but then he does do some great sort of um understated comedy scenes like when he throws the uh, sorry when they first take him to the cave and he doesn't want to be there and he's almost crying. He's like, oh, I don't want to be here. The demons will get me. You'll see. And all that. And you know what I mean? He, he manages to get it on a level that's not cringy. It's actually quite funny. So I thought he was really good. Yeah, and when he throws the bridge off and laughs at them, I, thought, I just I just really liked him. I thought he was good, even even though he was a bit bit of an old lech. Uh, yeah, it was a bit I'm not sinister, really sure what it? his intentions are. They're a bit sinister. But, um, but I thought the actor was good, really good in that role, yeah. Yeah. yeah, his name was um, Francis de Wolf. That's it, Francis de Wolf. Yeah, yeah, Vaiso. Yeah, Been in tons of old films. I was just going to say, I'm looking at him. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of him. He does look really familiar, actually, out of all the snow gear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was good, wasn't he? He was good, yeah. Mm. Uh, what did you think to a couple of the guards or police or whatever you want to call them that worked uh, So in the final two episodes? So we had the guy... The guy that finds Ian at the beginning after he's been knocked out. Yeah. And um, what was his name? <laughs> Don't ask me the name. As soon as we, as soon as I watch this, I'm not going to remember the name. I think it might be Aiden. Right. I think he's the guy, Martin Court. So Martin Court was interesting, actually, because he plays a Vord, the Ice Soldier, a warrior, and Aiden in the story. Mm. I think it's him. He's he's the guy that's kind of impartial. He's following the rules. He knows that Ian has to be put on trial and so on, even though he suspects that foul play mm. is afoot. Uh, and then we had the other guy who's the prosecutor. So it was those two main uh, guys, really. What's his name? I think his name There's, might have been... 
there's one of the guys Darius, if it's maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say there's one of them, the one who sort of turns out to be the traitor, if you like. He was he pops up in time of the Rani, because I kept thinking he looks so familiar, but obviously he's an awful lot lot younger in this. Um he plays uh who's the guy who starts putting the bracelets around the brain at the end and gets blown up. Uh, <laughs> sacrifices himself for oh, no reason. Yeah. That's him. Yes, yeah, him. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but he's a lot younger. And also, um, the woman in this one, in that in the court episode, she pops up in Silver Nemesis as the the old, you know, the one who's firing arrows everywhere. Um, again, obviously a lot younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I mean, the woman that's kidnapped Susan. <laughs> oh yes, she's the. Oh yes, yeah, so I actually Fiona got wrong. Walker. So Aiden, he's the one that's in cahoots with her because she's like the mastermind behind it yes so aiden is her husband he works for he works in the in the the place and he's the one that gets killed she she kills him doesn't she because he gets the doctor tricks him into confessing in front of everybody that's right and then she whenever when all the crowd are around him she kills him Uh, so his name's aiden so aiden's the guy that is in he's the one that finds ian and wants him to get banged up because he's in cahoots with the other guy and his wife. The three of them. They're after the key. That's it. Uh, what's his wife's name? What's her name? Uh, uh, Carla, isn't it? Carla, yes. Is yeah. it? Is that his wife? I'm not sure. The, the one that's um, the one that's kidnapped Susan, you mean? Yeah, Fiona Walker, yeah. Yeah, Fiona Walker, yeah, yeah. Carla. Yeah. yeah, cool. And then who's the guy that's... She has two accomplices, her husband, and then there's the third guy. He's the prosecutor guy. I think mm. that might be Darius. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> but they're all quite quite good i mean i i love the bit where carla you know she's got susan kidnapped which you could see coming a mile off and then she's pretending to cry until barbara and that leave and then she does that real as soon as they've left she does a sort of real she switches to laughing doesn't she like you fools and all that sort of thing um so yeah i i thought she was pretty good i wouldn't have recognized her if it hadn't i was watching it with the production subtitles and it said you know she looks a lot different in this than she does in silver nemesis so i probably wouldn't have recognized her but i thought she was quite good in it i could tell she was a wrong one (laughs) straight away i was like it's her isn't it she's she's in on it (laughs) poor old susan tied and gagged in the back room (laughs) tied and gagged yeah (laughs) good bit of investor investigative investigatory work from barbara on that though yeah, she is a bit slow though, isn't she? Because I was as soon as she said it, I was thinking, "Come on, Barbara, come on, Bob's, get, get on. with it." But uh, she's got a lot going on. I mean, she's been through a lot to get into episode five. I think we can let her off. That's true. <laughs> yeah, very true. And uh, so, and then we have the three guys who are like the like the high court justice people on uh, what's the what's the on on matter like. Millennius, I think it's called the officials yeah. of Millennius. They're like the three dudes, and there's one that does the, the, the talking. Basically, uh, they got he, very fancy phones, haven't they? <laughs> those funny talky <laughs> things. What do you think to those guys then? Yeah, I thought they were all good. I mean, they, I, again, it's I just like the concept of it. I just think the casting, all the cast, seem to be sort of bouncing off each other quite nicely in this in this story, and. Um, and that scene works well because it's the court scene. They, you know, everyone's got something to do. So, yeah, I thought those guys were, were decent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I got that name wrong a minute ago. So I think the guy who's in cahoots, the guy who's the prosecutor, I think his name is Ison. Oh, right. Or okay. Ison, one of the two. So who's Darius then? I don't flip in, no. 
So anyway, so, don't ask me. I have no idea. Yeah. So it's a large cast. I knew we were, were going to struggle with this as soon as I saw it. Um, yes, who's the? Oh yeah, so we had the the the, the big dudes. Um, uh, oh no, Darius is one of the. Uh, yeah, Darius is one of the scientists. Oh right, okay. He's the yeah. other guy that they find. Uh, you know, and he he doesn't believe Barbara at first, or one of them. Yes, I know what you mean. Him. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that's Darius. Right, 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 right. Ah, I read right. Okay. We're with it. Yeah. We're with it. We know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had, uh, what did you think it, of? Who's the guy who's wandering around in his pants the whole time? Because <laughs> I was like, he's gone out in a blimmin' blizzard and he's still wearing those pants. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> he looks a bit ridiculous. I felt, kind of felt sorry for him, actually. He must have turned up on set and been like, and here's your costume. Um, yeah, have you got the... We've got the trousers that go with it. No, no, that that is it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just like he's got like a big top on and then just just, just bare legs. <laughs> That's Altos. That's Altos. Yeah, and he's in yeah. it pretty much all the way through. And he talks very. He's very of the old school of television. And uh, I've been through a blizzard this afternoon, <laughs> but I will save you, my dear. I will say he's very much of that, isn't he? Yeah, he's <laughs> he very. I like, kind of liked him, but yeah, he's very much of that sort of era of TV. Yeah, like proper British. Yeah, and up is is here's the news at ten o'clock. Yes, yes. <laughs> Flashing his blimmin' legs around every two minutes. Yeah, yeah. So he, the, him, and uh, uh, Sabitha, they kind of they fall for each other, don't they? Towards the end, yeah. and they. Now I kind of like Sabitha. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you reckon, sir? Because she, she kind of sticks to her guns through this story doesn't she she's got a fairly good she'd be a good TARDIS team I did yeah I I warmed to her I Mm. thought she was good there is an absolutely lovely scene right at the end with her and Hartnell um, where he's just you know comforting her and saying well done well done all that sort of stuff it's a really nice scene Uh, this is what I love about Hartnell's Doctor you know is he goes from being really feisty to being absolutely charming in in a heartbeat um, you know, because yeah. I think when people give Hartnell a hard time, they're just, oh, no, he fluffs his lines, he's grumpy. There's, he's such a rounded doctor. And what I love about it is he's, to me, he's very alien, Hartnell. I think I think he really got the the part. You know what I mean? I think he really yeah, understood. Because yeah. to me, he does feel very alien at times. He cuts himself off from from how a sort of human would deal with stuff a lot of the time. So he he's very irascible. He's very to the point but he's got this other really warm side to him. Uh, I loved that end scene when they, when he's speaking to her before he gets in the TARDIS, Mm. just it's real brief, but it's just a, yeah, just shows how warm the first doctor could be, you know, when everything's good again and the world saved, he's, I I just, I think he's really a a very underrated doctor. uh, Very much so. Yeah. He's very, that there's a couple of scenes where he's like it with Susan as well. Yes. So in this story, he's very much like uh, the typical grandfather figure to Susan. Mm. And that comes across quite a lot. There's a, two or three scenes where he's all smiley towards her and he's quite touchy and mm. close. There's a closeness between them. And he never calls her Susan in this story. He always calls like my child or the child or That's right. Whatever. Yeah. And then that scene at the end that you said with, um, with Sabitha, he's very, yeah. I mean, that that's just the brilliance of Hartnell though, isn't it? There's that. Mm-hmm. He can be very, uh, almost, 
I wouldn't say horrible, but he could have those moments. Well, we can where... have moments where he'll really tell you. Yeah, yeah. He'll really give it to you with both barrels. Yeah. There's a bit where he hits someone with a with his walking <laughs> stick, knocks them out. The Vord, isn't it? One of the Vord, yeah. And it says in the production text that you can watch it with, it said um, the actor had asked Hartnell if he could hit him a little less hard in <laughs> rehearsals because he said, you're hitting me too, you're actually hitting me. He said, but in the actual take, Hartnell hit him harder than ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's not surprising, though, is it's it? It's not surprising. He's a bit, he's a real loose cannon, Hartnell, and I kind of love it. But this this whole TARDIS team just absolutely worked for me because they, because like you said, you've got Hartnell who's got his granddaughter and he does treat her like his granddaughter. He's very, you know, sort of caring about her and stuff. But then you've also got Ian and Barbara who you know, we're reminded all the time, really, that they are, they were teachers. They've gone on this journey and they still treat Susan as one of their pupils, don't they? They still look out for her. They still comfort her. They still, you know, and I think it's really good how they've just so into their roles. They've looked at what's on the page. They they seem consistent. Do you know what I mean? They still feel like they're Susan's teachers looking after her, even though they're on alien planets doing all this stuff. It's it's still got that same relationship, yes, sort of thing yep. between the cast. I think they're they're like almost like a family. Mm-hmm. These guys, you know, just going from adventure to adventure. I, they really work well, I think, as a TARDIS team, because yeah. you know, there's you know, you've got the Doctor and three companions. It can work. You know, absolutely, yeah. And talking of Susan, I think uh, Caroline Ford, she's she's good in this one, but she's good in this one, yeah, yeah. But I found her to be a bit screamy, quite a lot. She, do, I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Poor old um, <laughs> Caroline Ford. A lot of the time, you know, the writers will just get her to scream. Um, and I mean, they do it a lot to Barbara as well. In this, in yeah, this they story, do. yeah. You know, there's a there's a scene actually where the doctor's kind of telling. Barbara and Susan, you you wait there. We'll us guys will deal with this. And you'd think sort of in the day they'd just let that go, but no. Barbara and Susan actually make a point, don't they? Saying hey, he's always telling us what to do and all. That. And she's like, yeah, but he, he's only doing it because he cares and all this sort of thing. And I thought that's quite nice because they. I think Barbara is a really strong character. You know, she's a very strong female role model. I think Barbara. She's intelligent. She gets stuck at the action. I think she's a great character. So, you know, as, yeah, I just thought it was good, good scenes like that as well, when she won't just sort of accept it and be told what to do. She really gets stuck into all the action. Mm, yeah, no, she does. And, and like we said at the very beginning, Ian really gets stuck in. He's got oh, loads he's to do in this one, isn't he? I think he's brilliant in this. It's as if he got those scripts. So it was, you can sort of almost see his face light up as if, yeah, um, Bill's going to be off for two weeks, so you, you're kind of going to be the lead man in the next one. And he really goes for it, doesn't he? He's he's, he's forceful. He's brilliantly acted. Um, he really gets stuck into the action. Um, I think William Russell's superb in this story. Absolutely superb. I like his little top with the Chinese writing or whatever it's meant to be as well. He wears it all the way through it, doesn't he? Kind of... Kind of different outfit that he's got on but um i assume it's from the previous story marco polo i don't know yeah well it gets given to him by marco polo that's oh okay at the yeah, end of that story yeah. and he, yeah, yeah. He, he loves it he wears it the whole he the does whole time doesn't he yeah barbara and ian are brilliant in this though i just think they're absolutely brilliant in this story they Both are they do work very very and caroline well. while not quite up there with those two she's better than she is in some stories i think she's actually quite good in this one as well yeah no i agree mate yeah mm. and then hartnell himself as we said he's yeah he's just solid gold in the four out of the six that he's in he's uh 
he flits between strong, compassionate, detective. He's got that really great sort of Sherlock Holmesy feel about him, especially in the last two, yeah. where he sort of relishes the role of finding out what's happened to Ian and who set him up and and playing the court barrister and all that stuff. Yeah, he's just. I think all of them, the the, the entire cast, especially the principal cast, they're they're firing on all cylinders on this story. I I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I really do think that because I know we're still at, this is still season one. So it's the first series. They're still, I suppose, in a way, probably still finding their feet a little bit. But yeah, I think they're all firing on on all four cylinders. I think Hartnell's great in it. Um, Although I loved it. I loved the fact he he is off for two episodes because when he returns, it was so good to see him. I really I was aware that he'd be coming back in episode five. And I was really looking forward to him coming back. I loved the fact Ian got a chance to to be the hero in that in those other two episodes. And Barbara's brilliant in them as well. But when he comes back in that courtroom scene, I was like, yeah, here he is. And he's just he's just <laughs> beaming. His face is absolutely beaming. Um, I think he's great. I really do. I love his doctor. Yes. He's um even with yeah. the fluff lines and I don't know. And he's he's just he is a different doctor. There's something very different about Hartnell. Like if you were to say who's your favourite Doctor, I, I don't put him up there at the top, but he is somewhere in this void of he's almost like maybe because he's the original. There's just something different about him to the other Doctors. I, I can't really put my finger on it. It's like he feels very alien. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the thing. It's as if he's sort of, he's irascible. He's so unpredictable, I think. You just never know what the first Doctor's going to do. Whereas the second, you know, he could be comedic and he could also be very serious. With Hartnell, he could literally, he might take that walking stick and knock your head off. You just <laughs> don't know with the first Doctor. And yeah. I kind of love that, but it puts him into a slightly different, I don't know, slightly different void to the other Doctor somehow for me. I can't quite work it out, but he is great though, I think. I think he's really good. No, no, I completely, yeah, he's very good. And um, this, this kind of good... Uh, chemistry between the principal cast that carries on into the next uh, story as well the Aztecs so in that story as well they've they're very one, yeah. really really good together and Hartnell's great and Ian gets some action to do and and all that stuff the Aztecs is great if you want to listen to our review of that if you head over to the website or whatever podcast app and search for episode 93 we did it way back in June 2016 mm. that's another cracking story where the the, the four of them are in pretty much the same sort of ilk from this, they're all really gelled well together and the chemistry is great and, and all that stuff. So this particular era of Hartnell, even though it's kind of amazing, really, this is just their first series, It's um, they're, they're really working well together. The, the, the chemistry, you yeah. just said the, the chemistry between the four leads, I think, is, is brilliant. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, so that's, I think that's it. The keys. Is there anything you wanted to add, Bud? Before we, um, only the the music. Actually, I assumed it was stock because it's very similar to the music in Unearthly Child. I thought it, it certainly took me back to that first episode. Um, but reading this, it sounds like they just got the same composer to come back and and do the music for this story. So uh, I really liked it. It just it's got that foreboding, yeah, yeah, sort of edge to it, and then it does this sort of twirly flute sound and i don't know it's 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 very unusual but for me it totally worked i really liked the music in it um i think it just took me back to an earthly child it kind of just fitted back into that whole era um of hartnell 
I kind of associate it with with Hartnell, that type of music. So um, who was the composer? It was Norman Kay. So, yeah, I like the music in it. I thought it worked well. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah, it wasn't um, over the top and sort of blew up everything. It was a good, yeah. It's, there's a certain sound. It's a bit like if anyone's thinking, it, you know, the scene when um, they the very beginning of An Earthly Child where they're going into the junkyard. and that's, that's, that's strange. I don't know what the instrument is. It's this sort of really foreboding sound. Mm. And I'm like, and they use it really well in this because there's loads of creepy moments in it. Loads of moments where it's like, you know, what's going on? Like, I wouldn't say edge of your seat, but you're certainly waiting to see what's going to happen. Like the vines creeping down and all that sort of stuff. And Barbara being chased around the blimmin' table by that nutter in the <laughs> in the snow, <laughs> yep. you know, cabin and stuff. So there's, yeah, I thought the music was good. Uh, just having a quick look at my notes, I think I'm pretty much done. I did like a lot of the model shots. Some work a lot better than others. I think the very, very first shot of the island looks great. It does. Um, yeah. The guy falling down the thing, <laughs> not so great. There is a brilliant little, uh, I think it's five or ten minute featurette on the DVD with Raymond Kuzak, who did all the model work. And anyone who's seen Raymond in a <laughs> interview before know how candid and honest he is. Um, he's actually really likable. He comes across as a grumpy old man, but he's actually got a bit like Hartnett. He's got a real funny side to it. He's got a very dry sense of humor. Um, and he said, you know, he insisted on putting that scene in of the guy falling down into the acid because it wasn't supposed to be there. And he was said to the director, well, how are people going to know someone's fallen? Mm -hmm. it, lo it looks like he's been pushed through a door. How do we know he's fallen into it? I'll quickly, I'll do it quickly and you can insert it. So little things like that, which yeah, were yeah. real last minute. Um, that's probably why it doesn't look so good. But but the other model shots I thought looked great. And the sets designs I thought were really interesting and stuff like that. But it's quite funny because right at the end of this little interview with him, they say, he says, is there anything I'm proud of on Keys of Marinus? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's really dry, isn't he? And that's yeah. right at the end of the credits. If you watch, it's yeah, like yeah, a little yeah. nugget at the right of the after credits secret. Yeah, he's very dry. Mm -hmm. He's very dry, but I like him. Yeah. He's cool. Yeah, I like he's Ray cool. Kuzak. He's funny. Yeah. And I agree with you on the music as well. It's got a really nice, uh, sort of sinister uh, yes. build to it. And Norman Kay did an unearthly child, so you can see the similarities. It definitely sounds similar. Yeah. I thought it was the same music, actually, but yeah. Yeah. That's no, good. Okay, okay. And I, in talking a minute, just, just very quickly, I really loved the little TARDIS dematerialization at the end. That little model just looks so cute. I just want one of those. Yeah, you want that little, on yeah. On the shelf, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. does look cool. I loved all that. Yes. Uh, scores. I think it's me to go first. Yeah, I think it I is, think. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this an 8.5. Oh, blimey. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm not far behind you. I'm an 8. You're an eight. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it because there were bits. There were bits in it. Although I was really enjoying it, there were bits where I was thinking, Gary will either be loving this or he'll be thinking, "What the hell is going on?" There, <laughs> I mean, there are bits where the production shows. Yeah, of course. And I yeah. thought, I yeah. thought, oh no, he might not be. He might not be digging it. But I'm glad you did because I, yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed it. No, it's very, very cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm surprised you're higher than me, but that's good. No, it's just a great watch. It's really cool. Yeah. You know, each episode provides something different and a different flavor, keeps you going and interested and engaged. And then the whole thing wraps up in this lovely, charming little scene. It's just, it's, it's amazing who it really is. It's really pushed up there as one that I, you know, when people say to me, what, what Hartnell do you like? Or 
yeah, because I always go for war machines. I really love the war machines. Mm-hmm. And I, I must admit, I often I'd forgotten about this story, really. Um, so it's kind of pushed it to the forefront of ones that I would say I really like in the Heartland era. Yeah, yeah really right. enjoyed it. Absolutely, yeah. mate. Uh, what did our listeners think? We had uh, a ton of audio clips in for this one, which is great. Let's kick off with a new reviewer. This is Alex Patterson. Hey. Hello, Adam. Hello, Gary. Hello, fellow Big Blue Box buddies. It's Alex, and I wanted to say that I love the podcast, and I love Adam's YouTube channel, The Geek's Handbag. Incidentally, I also really enjoy The Keys of Marinus. It's one of many experimental stories during the Hartnell era, and I'll be interested to hear everyone's thoughts, because I think the format of searching for multiple keys and having one setting per episode, in theory, is a really fun way to freshen up the problems of pacing that a six-parter normally has. The idea of having multiple keys keys in different locations is similar to the key to time story arc, but it all happens in one story. It's almost like Hartnell's TARDIS team are searching for the Infinity Stones. So that's a really cool concept. Also, these time bands are essentially vortex manipulators of the Hartnell era. I'd give it a 7 out of 10 for other people, but personally I really enjoyed it, so for me it's an 8 out of 10. Thanks so much. Bye! Alex giving it an 8 there. Same as us. Yeah, nice. Thank you very much, Alex, and welcome aboard the TARDIS review, audio clipper review team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do, I don't normally do shouts, but Alex does, he genuinely does have the most awesome Doctor Who YouTube channel called The Doctor Who Guide, and it, his content is amazing. I know we don't normally do shouts, but it is brilliant, honestly. The stuff that guy manages to get is incredible, so yeah. Thanks for the kind words about my channel as well, Alex. It's cool. Very cool. Thank you very much, Alex. Yeah. Let's Thanks, move Alex. on. This is Luke Malloy. Hello, Gary and Adam on the Big Blue Box podcast. So, the Keys of Marinus. Uh, it's probably easier to review this one as like individual episodes. Uh, first part, nothing. It's a good little setup. Um, Susan almost loses her foot, and it, yeah, we get going. <laughs> uh, the Velvet Web, part two. The brains are morphed on. I love them. I don't know why. I just love them. I want a figure of them. The brains are morphed on all the way. Get them in the new series. Love them. And, uh, and William Martin just goes on his all day for, for three episodes, which I find really funny does lead to lovely moments uh, between Ian and Barbara. I do love Ian and Barbara together. And then part five feels like a Jonathan Creek in the 1960s, which is no bad thing at all. Uh, I actually think it's a really clever resolution with the mace. Um, Maybe not as clever as resolution for the story overall in part six. Um, It doesn't quite come together in in an epic manner, but it's good enough and it shows real ambition from Doctor in the 60s. Uh, I'll give this one a 6 out of 10. Thanks again. A 6? There you go. What were they called? The Brain of M- Moore? The Brain of... He's only just said that. I've already forgotten, but he's right. He yeah. wants a figure as well. They look cool. Yeah. The Brain of Morton or something. Brain, it was. Yeah, it's... Some, what, why can't we remember? It's definitely... It begins with an M. He just yeah. said it, didn't he? Crikey. It, I, I've already forgotten it because I can't get Marinus out of my head. It's not the Brains of Marinus, but anyway, we want one. They're cool. Is it Morphaton? <laughs> Yeah, it could be, yeah. Was it Morphaton? Something like that. Some, uh, Brains of Morphaton. No they, no, they go to Morphaton, don't they? Mm. So what are the... Right, while we're playing this next review, I'm going to look it up. Let's move on. Uh, this is our regular <laughs> review from Down Under. This is Sammy Satine. Hey, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, my dear chaps. Hmm. The keys <laughs> of Marinus indeed. Quite a quest they find themselves on, encountering mind-controlling brain creatures, dangerous plants, freezing snow conditions, and going through a trial. Though this time the Doctor is not on trial, but Ian. Written by the writer best known for creating the Daleks, Terry Nation. You almost think one of those pepperpots is going to come around the corner. (laughs) 
certain places any second. Anyway, good story. I'll have the first doctor. Ugh. Something about that old man gripping his lapels that I just love. Anyway, I give it eight keys of mariners out of ten. See ya. Right. Another eight. Do you know, Sam has got a really good point. I'm very surprised when they were sort of trying to think of different things for each episode, they didn't slip a Dalek story in there because this is a pretty last minute replacement story, wasn't it? I think there was supposed to be a different story and it wasn't working. So they had commissioned Terry quite late in the day to write this. So I'm, I'm very surprised he didn't think, oh, I know, let's do a Dalek one. That'll fill an episode. So yeah, you got a good point there, Sammy. Very good. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the, the brains in the jars are called the Morpho. Morpho, brilliant. The Morpho. The brains of yes. Morpho. Indeed. How cool. <laughs> yes, let's move on. This is Matt Steele. Hey. Hello, Gary and Adam. Matt Steele here again. Hope you guys well. Had a good week. So this week, The Keys of Marinus. Yeah, so this is the first Hartnell story that um, I've ever watched. And what a cracking episode this is. Brilliant. I mean, the actor playing the Guardian of the Marinus machine was believable. The travel dial effect was really good. The hypnosis episode was pulled off really well and acted well by everyone, especially Barbara, I thought. I think episode three was probably the only filler episode with, you know, lots of running around and not much going on. But in those times, Ian takes a really strong lead in the absence of the Doctor. Um, the murder slash kidnapping slash court case storyline I thought was you know quite dark for younger viewers but it really grips them into you know going straight on into episode six um I think this is a really well deserved 8.5 out of 10 just before I go insert rant jingle here because what on earth were Moffat and Gattis thinking when they made twice upon a time they made the first doctor into this sexist bumbling you know buffoon that he quite clearly wasn't I don't know if they were trying to be funny but it didn't work and uh, it makes a new series only sort of viewer like I was into thinking, why should I watch any of the first Doctor stories if they're just going to be the sexist rubbish? So I'm very disappointed um, after seeing what Hartnell was actually like and, and his stories. So, um, yeah, rant over. I'll leave it there for everyone's sake and have a good week, guys. I'll see you soon. Cheers, Matt. I'm actually so glad you added that last bit because... Um I've never really considered that before. And as someone who really likes the first Doctor and really likes William Hartnell, um, I would hate anyone to be put off by what they saw in Twice Per Time. Uh, because as much as I love David Bradley, the, the way they wrote the first Doctor in that story was nothing short of a disgrace. It was just done for cheap laughs. So I'm really glad that you saw this and got to see how good he was. Um, yeah. So I'm absolutely glad you said that at the end of the podcast because I've never really thought about it before. I hope it hasn't put other people off watching the first Doctor era. I really do. No, I, I second that, mate. Yeah, the Hartnell era is a treasure trove of some amazing Doctor Who, so don't be put off by yeah the uh, the comical, one-linery, cheap, laughy kind of Hartnell. That, that I mean, it wasn't too bad, but the the, the yeah, when do I get into it now? But yeah, don't be put off. I was going to say we could do a whole podcast on that, couldn't we? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, thank you very much, Matt. We, so, what's it? An eight point five from Matt. Very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and lastly, this is Lewis Palmer. Hello to the Big Blue Box podcast. I haven't sent in a read for a while. I am alive. I have been listening um, week after week. Just haven't had the time because of life stuff. Been very busy. But yes, the keys of Marinus. This was really good. Um, it's just it's a fun adventure, really. Each episode is kind of different. Um, each episode is sort of twenty five minutes, just sending you off to another part 
of the universe um, and just looking for the key. And I love that. I love stories like that where each episode is sort of a mini adventure within itself with its own little conflicts and characters. Uh, very similar to an upcoming story, The Chase, uh, which is also really good. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of that 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 format really. And all the cast look wow. It's season one, so season one stories are always quite interesting to look back on now. And I think all the cast. I just having a blast during it, and uh, yeah, the Vaud can be quite funny, but they're pretty cool, you know. Um, so I really like the Keys of Marinus. Probably give it a seven or I think an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Um, so yeah, see you next time, guys. Eight. Cheers, Lewis. Yeah, another eight. That's good. That's very cool. Yeah, welcome back to the reviews, Lewis. Mm. Very cool indeed. Thank you so much, guys, for sending in your audio clips. Very much appreciated for taking the time to do that stuff. Over on Twitter, we had a few over there. Uh, who was up first? Uh, Seb uh, Sebling said, uh, the first story I ever bought from the classic line, therefore I always loved it. Uh, the puzzle element uh, to it is so entertaining, and to this day, it still remains my favourite Hartnell story. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Nathan, Silent Nerd, C137, I adore this story. I love how each part is a mini-adventure, so it never feels padded out. Uh, he goes on to give it a 9 out of 10. Jack, the Hoovenier, says, I always love the Hartnell story. I always love a Hartnell story. This has to be one of the best with the original team. Uh, although I feel there's something lacking. I can't work out what that is. Uh, I do enjoy the story, but there's something about it that doesn't stand out. A 7 out of 10. Uh, Rick okay. Moran from the Dwas uh, says, Love this. A charming little adventure. It's like a mini key to time. Mm. It is in a way. Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. Our writer, Mark Donaldson. Uh, an absolute joy from start to finish. Uh, it's an epic sci-fi quest with uh, that riffs on myth, fairy tale, and the JFK assassination. Uh, you watch that witness being gunned down and tell me Ruby and Oswald weren't the inspiration. Ah, that's a good uh, point, that, actually. Yeah, that's, yeah, mm. yep. uh, it's also where uh, the warmer, cheekier First Doctor begins to emerge. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, TARDIS Files HQ, one of the very best of the Hartnell era. I love the sense of adventure brought to one story and the fact that it's basically the key to time in one story. Uh, gives it an 8.5. Zombie Who 97. Uh, very much a mixed bag. Episode 2 is by far the best uh, as part of uh, it's a great idea i like the idea of having self-contained stories with an overarching narrative uh, however not all of them were fleshed out the doctor as always uh, shines in the episode he's in six out of ten mm. our other writer jordan shortman uh, it's a decent outing much better than its reputation uh, the main cast are excellent they all they will always be one of my favorite tardis teams the vord are actually quite good on screen rather in photos and overall it's quite enjoyable way to spend a couple of hours uh, Genesis of Andrazani says adore this one such a fun adventure cheap looking and Susan is annoying sometimes but overall a very enjoyable six party gives it a 9.5 uh, the American Time Lord I dig the Vord and the false walls doors <laughs> uh, the mm. unfair trial and contained intrigue are also very good um, uh, yes our friend Sarah Louise a running Hoovian uh, I often find multi-part stories have filler episodes, but not this one. It kept me engaged throughout an intriguing storyline with a great TARDIS team. I found Susan and Barbara's screams annoying, but it's just how they were written. Uh, Ian's commandeering manner made me smile an 8 out of 10. Another 8. Another 8. Cool. And then just a couple yeah. over on Facebook. Kevin Mullen, uh, with all the running around and moving from one location to another without uh, while solving problems, The Keys of Marinus is like the worst ever episode of The Crystal Maze. Oh. Great minds, Kevin. Uh, it's certainly ambitious considering it's 1964 and the effects and design look wonderful, but my God, does it drag. Uh, no. Saying that, one enduring thing it does give us, even though it wasn't said in the story, is the, the iconic phrase, 
Yartek, leader of the alien Vord. <laughs> uh, not the best Hartnell story, but not the worst. 4.5, I can't talk today. 4.5 brains in jars out of 10. <laughs> 4.5, Kevin. Not a fan, really. <laughs> and Charlie Turner, so let me ask you guys a question. Have you noticed that in this story, what is the entire key to time story arc would look like if it was in a single story? Mm. As as for if it's any good or not, I'd say it's just okay. Nothing terrible, but it could be a slightly better. I was tempted to go with seven for my rating, but I realized that it's a bit too generous. So instead, a 6.5. Oh, dear. And he meant the keys of Marinus, not the keys of time. Oh, right, yeah. So I would say overall, buddy, fairly positive for this one. Mostly, wasn't it? It's only those last two. Uh, so Kevin and Charlie, not over impressed, but most of us are liking this one. Yes, yeah, so that's cool. Nice, nice response as well. I got quite a lot in this week. And, you know, when we do the earlier black and white, I'm never sure where we are with those in terms of uh, listeners' feedback. So it's really nice to get loads in. Thanks, guys. Very cool. Thank you so much. Next week, we're going through to Torchwood. So what have we got next week, dude? Yeah, so next week, back to Torchwood. And the episode is called Random Shoes. Random Shoes. Random Shoes. I can't even remember the trailer from last time. What was the last one we did? Uh, Killing Susie, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Random shoes. Okay. Yeah. Don't know what that one's about. Yeah. So get that. <laughs> get your DVDs and Blu-rays out to watch that. We'll be asking for your thoughts uh, and reviews on that one. And I think we'll wrap there for two, three, two. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us through uh, the latest episode 232. It's been great to have you on board as always and thank you to all of our listeners that have sent in audio reviews or have commented on Twitter or Facebook. It's very, very much appreciated you taking the time out of your day to do that. You're going to have to do the same thing again next week as we review the Torchwood episode Random Shoes. So get that watched, get your get yourself refreshed on the story and whatnot because we'll be asking them all again and the social post for that normally goes out on a monday so keep an eye out for that and you can do that by tweeting us commenting on facebook or you can send us an audio clip up to a minute max and we'll play it out on the show in the meantime head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our previous shows there and you can also link off to the various podcast networks there's buttons on there to go and do that or just search for us in your podcast app of choice. Give us a sub on there so you never miss a show when it lands every Friday morning. And we're also on the various social networks, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There's buttons on the website for that, or just do a search of the Big Blue Box podcast. Give us a like and a follow there, as we normally chat plenty of Doctor Who during the week, and there's a really Mm. great community around the podcast and all that stuff, so get involved and have a chat over there. Also, check out my co-host's YouTube channel, the geeks handbag yes geeks handbag the old geeks handbag (laughs) head over to youtube loads like a ton of really amazing videos over on adam's channel everything that you would need to satisfy the old geek uh there's loads of unboxings reviews uh, convention roundups location shoots on the spot just everything's over there it's all on there head over there it's really cool (laughs) and adam's also on the usual social channels as well under the same name the geeks handbag so give them a follow and we'll all chat together about doctor who and various other bits of rubbish <laughs> yes indeed 
Until next week for 233, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh, uh, uh,